You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be with you all. My name is Shahid Muni Ahmed, and I'm joined with my brother Mubariz Amini and uh, Sharif Bunno. You're listening live to Voice of Islam Radio. Voice of Islam Radio presenting the true teachings of Islam, broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Britain. And uh, the time is 7 past 7. You're listening to another episode of Breakfast Show. My brothers, how are you? Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be with you. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you too, Shail. Um, I'm good, by the grace of Allah. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, Yesterday we we had a very good wimble weather. Oh yes, indeed. And today it looks a bit cloudy. Yeah, but the it's, it's still a bit it's a bit stuffy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is indeed. It is. Uh, Sharif, how's it uh, over there in uh, Birmingham? <coughs> Birmingham sounds me, but I like it. Sorry, uh, I'm in Stroud. Oh, uh, sorry. So <laughs> it's okay. Um, a brother, Kuyum seems to think planet Stroud and you think I'm in Birmingham so it's a balance between the two <laughs> um, Alhamdulillah by the grace of God um, I'm good thank you and um, the weather here is very much like you described very cloudy though it is very windy though it's just not stuffy and um, yesterday we had such a nice day and Indeed. like you said perfect Wimbledon weather you you watching Wimbledon I I wasn't but I was sent a few um, photos and stuff yesterday um, a few of my uh, family went to see um, oh, Nadal. Um, the game last night. Nadal won yesterday. Uh, yes. And tomorrow we have Djokovic. Are you into Wimbledon? Um, have you ever been to Wimbledon? I haven't actually been to Wimbledon. Yet. Like uh, the tennis? Yeah, the tennis. Okay. Have you? No, but I want to go. I want to see. Just one match. I want to see how it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I went, uh, met someone yesterday. He who went to see the Formula One here in Britain. Oh, okay. And uh, he said it's a good experience, though. It's to see. Yeah. Yeah, the Formula One is really good in Silverstone. I've been there. I've done the Formula One and Formula Three, and I highly oh. recommend it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that's good. So, are you are you following the Formula One? No, no. I what I I don't follow any any sport as such, but. I had the chance to go and assist it, and that in itself is very different to following it. Um, so you were the like as an assistant for what team? Sorry, can you? Um, you you um, were there I for assisting, that. but in what what sense? Like you said, you uh, were there not assisting. Um, a friend of mine used to work in Silverstone, and uh, oh, okay. and she got us tickets to go and watch it. So we went as a group from university and it was really good um, alright yesterday um, there was a cricket match uh, Surrey versus Yorkshire in, in, in the Oval um, and, and just like Chief, I'm not a big uh, um, sports fan but, but I went with, with, with some of my family and uh, the, the, the weather was amazing and the atmosphere was good as well uh, Oval is kind of famous Cricket play the stadium. I've seen people even during the match having a barbecue in that stadium. Well, uh, in that stadium, but in few other stadiums. But this stadium, especially, is very famous. I felt money. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, there weren't any barbecues or anything like that. But um, yeah, so it was Surrey versus Yorkshire, and 
um, by the grace of Allah, Yorkshire won by one run. And right. obviously, being from Yorkshire, it, it makes you makes you proud, doesn't it? <laughs> nah, indeed. Um, must be great to see that. We had another fight yesterday as well. A uh, very famous one. Uh, we, uh, dear listeners, I'm sure you have watched that fight on BBC. It was Boris Johnson against Keir Starmer. <laughs> uh, it was a kind of a way like a um, verbal fight both were attacking each other uh, and uh, Boris Johnson always came back to explain and tell him the achievement he has done during especially for Brexit um, what is it well, what do you think how will be the future of Boris Johnson after the two big uh, resignments well if you look at the list the list keeps growing in terms of who has resigned. So you've got the Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javed who resigned yesterday, but you've also got the Welsh Secretary, mm. Mm. Simon Hart, and that list just keeps growing and growing and growing. So I I, I don't know what his future is, but it looks like his, his days as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom is numbered by mm. the look of it. You know the funny thing is that he has appointed Nadim Zahavi as the new chancellor, and the very next day he criticized him and told him also to go uh, alongside with Priti Patel. And mm -hmm. now uh, the latest chance—sorry, uh, not chancellor—the the latest uh, minister who has resigned is Brandon Lewis as mm -hmm. a Northern Ireland secretary, and uh, it is um. Uh, because you know uh, when we talk about Boris Johnson we also talk about the Tory party uh, and uh, he, it is kind of affecting also the party uh, why, I mean uh, of course uh, many things happened and uh, there are many many scandals as well uh, he apologized for these things as well but there are also few things which obviously people will never forget I mean he's a prime minister and uh, there's something he has now left like everyone is leaving a legacy Right, we have Margaret mm -hmm. Thatcher, we had James Cameron, we had Tony Blair, we had uh, Theresa May. Now we have him. What legacy will he leave after he goes? And that's that's a very interesting question because if you look at what's happened over the last um, on his tenure so far, there's been so many things. So he, he came in to deliver Brexit, but then he was hit with COVID. And then he was hit with the Ukraine war and with the recession, <clears throat> the recession being at 9% at the moment. All of these things, these are the things that people will, will kind of look at in terms of what's happened to the country. But in terms of his personal legacy would be, in my personal opinion, I think it would be all the missteps or how he... Um, <clears throat> Um, I don't see any other way of putting it, how he lied to the, the, the people about Partygate, mm. about everything else that's happened. And I think that's going to be what people will remember him for, because Partygate's been going on for, a, a, I think, a couple of years now, since we found out that he, um, you know, the lockdown and the parties that he was going on. These are the things that will will will, will be in people's mind. You have pointed out a few things. One thing is about lying which is one of his bad habits uh, it came out many many times that when scandals came out he rejected them or he just simply said he's not involved into them and when mm. it came out he was mm. and obviously his lie came out as a minister i mean as a leader how much i mean i would say 
uh, a decade ago, someone would lie in the parliament. He would uh, have told to go and he had to leave. But nowadays it's changed. He, he, it's not the first time he has lied. He has lied many, many times. But still he is in his position as a minister. Even, okay, let's say he stays. What is? What advice would you give him now? Being a, I mean, because, you know, I thought after he won the no confirmation vote, I thought, okay, no, he co is coming back. He's now, he will change. And then again, the new scandal came and came and came. What advice will you give him? Um, main the main thing, Shail, is that as 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 someone in power, um, your job is to lead, right? Leadership. That's that's what it all, all, that's what it all comes down to. Um, and basically, in in Islam, uh, leadership is 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 um, is the so, so so the Holy Prophet may may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that the leader of a, of of a people is their servant. So it is his job to to um, be there for his people, be there for his nation, right? And if he's not being there and 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 he's not he's not doing the right job, he's not doing the right responsibility. Uh, he really needs to think. He really needs to think about his people mainly. Um, my advice is to actually do what is more important for his people instead of trying to cover his mistakes and and pushing people out and getting rid of people, right? Uh, this is what also Sajid Javed said uh, that it is the nation we're working for not yeah. for ourselves or not for a particular person it is the nation we should look after and he has a duty you said it very well that uh, that uh, uh, saying of Holy Prophet peace upon him that a leader is a servant of his nation that, that he should lead by example and he should come forward he should step forward but this is what we haven't seen by him like especially during the part, uh, uh, lockdowns where everyone should be at their home he was partying having fun with his uh, colleagues. And uh, I think this is something where everything started. Of course, there were a few mo other scandals as well. Uh, for example, Donnie number 11, we every everyone knows about that. But in the end, it comes to that point that he will be remembered because of the scandals he has done, the parties he has done, and for the fine he, he, he was told to give. Uh, Sharif, um, for you, uh, you have been here uh, for a long time. Uh, have you ever seen these kind of leaders in this country before? Not, not the likes of Boris Johnson, to be honest. Since 2020, um, it started with Dominic Cummings. So it's been one after the other. He's been kind of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, class with... Um, um, scandals after scandals and uh, and yet he has been able to remain in power he's been remain to remain has the prime minister and even now after the numbers of resignation he's still holding on to his um to his seat and it's that is quite surprising normal in um, history you would see that if something like that ha would have happened, even half of what would ha what has happened to him would have happened to a prime minister. The prime minister would have been gone long ago. But somehow, since the change, and we saw that in America with Donald Trump coming to power, that that shift towards a more sleazy, lying um, element of the politics seems to be taking over what um what the 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 actual governing of the country is 
It is. I mean, uh, it's very sad you have mentioned a few. Uh, you also mentioned Trump. Um, you know what I've seen? Like, you know, when I used to be a child, uh, what I've thought about politicians, about leaders of countries, I thought they are a very noble person, role models for everyone, and uh, they would lead by example. Someone we could look up, uh, someone we would be proud of to know that they are our leaders. But time has changed. Um, people has changed, and the character has, has changed as well. Morality has come down. Uh, we can't see these things anymore in most of the politicians, unfortunately. Uh, you have mentioned Dominic Cummings as well. Uh, he was, I mean, before he left, he was, uh, he also was much criticized for his behavior during lockdown. And then, of course, you mentioned Trump as well. Yeah. He had also many, many scandals. And uh, the same thing happened to him while ha uh, happening now to Johnson, as you already mentioned. Uh, but we have also leaders who are very exemplary. Uh, we shouldn't forget Jacinda Ardern. Prime Minister of New Zealand, we have Justin Trudeau, mm. also uh, the Prime Minister of uh, Canada, and His Holiness, may Allah be salved, he also has praised, uh, especially uh, both of them, uh, for the extraordinary uh, work. And as you just mentioned, um, Shahil, that uh, about about the current Caliph of of Islam, um, His Holiness Mirza Masood may Allah be his helper. Um, you know, if he he does guide uh, all the leaders uh, of the world, and if they, uh, you know, just just follow in his footsteps a little bit, li listen to his guidance, and um, listen to what he's preaching to them as well, mm. because he is a caliph for the whole world. He's not just a caliph for the Ahmadiyya community, right? That's what he says himself. Mm. If he listens, if 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 the, if the world leaders just listen to him, and um, they can they can bridge. A real, they, they they can make a real bridge towards peace in the world. Well, he has said many many times that if people, especially those powerful nations, they say they come together, and uh, without their own pride, leaving aside their own rights as well, only to look after the rights of everyone, they can change the world. They can shape the world as well, and peace can be maintained. This is why he has guided many many times. But this is what we not not seeing nowadays, and he has warned the world that we might go towards uh next world war which we can see unfortunately as well you know um w one thing guys uh i was thinking recently what we have learned from the history right we have seen so many things we have seen war everywhere but it is not like humanity has learned anything from that it is like we're going backwards uh it's obviously that we know that killing someone is wrong and taking life is obviously one of the biggest sins, but still people are doing it. And uh, every time when you when you see that, okay, I'm not uh, one person, one politician is not getting his rights or is not getting that thing what he wants, then he always goes for war. He always says, okay, now I need to do that. It is like some children. For me, it is very, really unfortunate. I'm very sad to say that. But it's like children are playing around, children are playing around and uh, behaving in the same way uh, like the uh, the forefather did. And uh, as I said, it, it's very strange. We haven't learned anything from the history. Yeah, and, and, and Shahid, you know, when, when I, I remember from when we used to study in school, the main reason to, to s study history is so that we can learn from the mistakes that um, those before us, the, the, those who came before us and, and we can make sure that we don't follow in their footsteps and we don't make the same mistakes and if that's going on then we really really need to up our game as 
uh, as a people of this nation and uh, as as people of this this era it's 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 in because when you look at how history repeats itself mm. but we seem not to learn our lesson whether it's gun violence um yeah war zones and everything like that we seem to repeat the same thing but i just want to go back to one point that sahil made um last year jacinda arden was voted or was um fortune the fortune magazine kind of named her the number one most um greatest leaders of 2021 mm. and i was reading um recently the an article about what she has done so far and one thing that caught caught me off guard was during the pandemic in 2020, Jessica Arden and her cabinet ministers took a six months 20% pay cut to show solidarity with the people who lost their livelihood mm. during the pandemic. We And what did we see in the UK? The Prime Minister and everyone else going for a pay rise during that same period and if not soon after the pandemic and that goes to show why she's been voted or why people have this high um, value in her opinion and in what she has done because she's one of those leaders who truly leads by mm. example true exactly you, you said she is someone who really leads by example and this is so m amazing to see that Uh, how successful she is, and then what you know what impact she has, and uh, it is good to to know that we have. Basically, it is very good to know that we have someone like Jacinda Ardern, uh, who is um, to be uh, to be honest, she is a big role model for everyone. Uh, everyone who has sense, everyone who has compassion and love for everyone, then Jacinda Ardern is one a very great and good role model, a great leader for her nation as well. Um. Uh, And uh, I, I remember we all remember the the attack in Christchurch and how she showed solidarity and yeah. how she came out to help people, especially the Muslim community. And uh, you could see that she was also coming. Uh, good, I mean, with that stepping uh, towards uh, helping the Muslims, you could see the nation of New Zealand as well. How they helped as well, and what picture they showed, and uh, that picture was. I mean, in that very difficult time, to see that kind of picture was so amazing. And, uh, I mean, uh, to know that uh, His Holiness has also mentioned her and the great work she has done, especially during the time, is amazing. Um, she is truly uh, a great role model for everyone. It's amazing what she has done. And uh, that's the thing, you know, the only thing we can do is hope we have more Jacinda Ardern in this world. Okay, uh, um... One thing, uh, guys, um, recently also happened, is it's very sad. It is, you know, um, in America, we have this wave of gun shootings. Now, recently in Chicago, we had one where a youngster uh, just started shooting um, in, in uh, like, outside the street. Also in the street, he was uh, uh, came out with... Uh, and was shooting people and he killed uh, um, I think uh, six people and um, more than 30 people got injured you know this as I said it's a wave of people coming out with the, with their weapons and to kill 
innocent people and of especially innocent children. Uh, I'm saying wave because this is the like at least the third attack in the recent few months which America has seen and uh, mm. it is uh, they are not able to control it. You know, America is known as the world greatest country. Yeah, but still you see so much crime and so much hatred, and you have and this problem to bring weapon under control is a big problem for that nation as well and uh, somehow they have were not able to resolve that problem it's it's not something that um they they're trying to even resolve because the gun lobby and everything that we've seen over the last few years is is so strong that every time um, the government or um, anyone within the U U.S. tries to do anything about gun violence, nothing happens. So the, the crazy statistics in there that kind of shocks me is that since 1968 to 2017, 1.5 million people have died in America due to gun violence. That's higher than the number of soldiers killed in every single U.S. conflict since the American War of Independence in 1775. Oh, that's so sad. That is just astounding, the amount of people that are being killed in America every year. In 2020 alone, 45,000 Americans died. And and yet we're not seeing anything out of the U.S. or the um, the U.S. government to control the guns. Even even the the simple thing that they tried to introduce, where people with mental health were not allowed to buy guns or to add checks whenever anyone was allowed to buy um, weapons, was rejected. And that is just crazy. And the ratio at the moment of firearms to um, residents is every 100 residents of the U.S. have 120 firearms, which is just astounding numbers. Uh, I, I just can't understand it. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's frustrating what you said, and it's very horrif horrifying as well. Um, uh, I mean, it's uh, uh, what I said before. It is known as the world's greatest nation, country mm. in the world, and they have that big problem which they can't control, and you have explained very well the reason why. Um, of course, many, many... I mean, you know, the th thing is that, you know, if you talk about the president of the United States, you're talking about the... Uh, the leader the of, a, of, a great, of the greatest country, one of the greatest countries. most powerful leader. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And he being the most powerful leader, they were not able to control it. Or to condemn it, mm. like, well, it just looks like they don't want to. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's a bit mm. of truth. It is like exactly. It's a, like a lot of politics going on in, in this uh, case. Well, we can like obviously the media shows something else, but there's a lot of uh, politics because it has. I mean, of course, if they condemn that and if they stop uh, that, uh, it would have a big impact on on uh, financial impact on that country as well. On the economy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a big, 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 as I said, uh, politics which are going on, dear listeners. But anyhow, we will go now for a short break. But before we go, Sharif, if you can tell our listeners what we will do after the break. 
Um, after the break, we've got two very interesting segments that we will be looking at. And the first one is um, the World War, World War II veteran who had no family is remembered by hundreds. This is the story of, um, of the Second World War veteran who died at the age of 98. And his funeral was attended by nearly 100 people, over 100 people. And we will go into that in more detail after the break. And the second segment today, this morning, is 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 something that is quite I find quite interesting and it's quite um, topical at the moment. Who is dependent on whom? Influences versus followers. So please bear with us and join us again after the break for these two interesting um, topics today. The all-knowing, the one who comprehends fully the knowledge of everything, whether manifest or hidden. Do they not know that Allah knows what they keep secret and what they make known? The giver of life, the one who gives life to whoever he wills. How can you disbelieve in Allah? When you were without life, he gave you life. And then he will cause you to die, then restore you to life. And then to him shall you be made to return. Writings of the Promised Messiah In a dream I saw an angel seated on an elevated platform in the guise of a boy. In his hand he was holding a pure loaf of bread which was very bright. He gave it to me and said, This is for you and the dervishes who are with you. I saw this dream at a time when I was not at all known, nor had I put forth any claim, nor was there any group of dervishes with me. But now I have a large jamaat of people who have voluntarily chosen to put their faith above the world, and have thus reduced themselves to the position of dervishes. Having migrated from their homes and having separated themselves from their relatives and friends, they have taken up permanent abode near me. I have interpreted the loaf of bread as meaning that God himself will provide for me and for my followers and that we will not be rendered anxious on account of lack of provision. This has been the case over a long number of years. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to the breakfast show. Um, as Sharif has already introduced the first segment, we will talk about a way interesting it's a very interesting topic about a veteran who had basically no family but is still remembered by hundreds world war two uh, guys as just said before humanity unfortunately has never learned from the history where t- i mean uh, if you if you think how many wars have this planet seen uh, there are plenty of wars the first war or let's say the first fight we can remember of humanity is mentioned also in the Holy Quran between the sons of Adam, Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. 
and I think obviously it wasn't a war, but we could see that as a conflict. The conflict and how the, that conflict actually ended. What the outcome was of the conflict, and this is what I'm saying. Of you know, it is a reason why God has mentioned that conflict in the Holy Quran, mm. and uh, that it's a rem- it's, it's it's a reminder, isn't it, for us that we should learn from it. Well, for example, like um, we all, we are all mature, we are all adult. To we have conflict, obviously, this is something part of the life. But to kill or to take the life of someone, especially of the life of your own brother, it's, it's the worst thing you can do as a human being. What is the value of a human life, anyways, in Islam? Any one of you guys? I mean, uh, as you know, that it is said that if you in, take in, in Islam, <coughs> it is it is said, child, that um, taking a life yeah. uh, of 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 one per one innocent life is as taking the life of the whole of humanity, and it is also said that uh, saving um, an innocent life is is like saving the life of the whole of humanity. But so that's the that's that's that answers your question yeah. of what is the value of life in Islam. And this is like you could see how important that is. What how important is to save the life of other people and um, to look after each other? Um, this is you know this is guys. I'm trying to make understand the, the reason that I've pointed out the thing is that we it is very sad to see that we are still doing the same mistakes and it is like a circle. We're walking around and every time we see something bad happening and we say okay let's go for a war and war is one thing where we say. Oh, we are just scared not to do. All right. Anyhow, uh, Sharif, because you have introduced the topic, what is the gist of, the t- of that segment? So the gist is hundreds of people turned out to say farewell to a Second World War veteran who died at the age of 98. The funeral of Maurice Winspear, who served in Italy during the Second World War, and later in Syria, Palestine, and Egypt, could have been a solitary affair. But after the 98-year-old died with no known family or surviving friends, the funeral celebrates. The flu. Sorry, apologies. The funeral celebrates. Sue Dickin made an appeal for more mourners to come and give the veteran a the send-off he deserved. Hundreds of people responded to the call and attended the ceremony at, apologies for this, uh, Kirkley Sam um, crematorium on Tuesday. It is obviously, you know, um, we, we should remember that these people, they have fought against the enemy. Yeah. And uh, to stop the war as well, they have to play, the, play actually played a big role in that. Um, it is known that not even like, uh, in I mean, this, this war, was not not even only fought in Europe. People from the outside they interfered as well, and they tried to stop this as well. I mean, even Muslims. I remember if you do, if you remember those Muslims living in India in that time, they uh, joined the force of as well of the British. Um, yeah, and uh, it is amazing to see what they had done and that they contributed to stop the war as well. Hmm. And uh, why? Obviously, you know, um, well, uh, for Muslims especially, uh, war, and I think, I, I, mean, I mean, guys, for a soldier, it is said that the soldier prays for freedom, for peace. 
a soldier is basically that person who will never want to see any weapon, never want to see any gun. He is the last person who is willing to go into a war. And uh, this reminds me as well that Allah himself, God himself, our God, Islamic God, has introduced himself with the attribute of Salam, which means the source of peace. And uh, of course, like for Muslim who's trying to gain the nearness of Allah, trying to get have a living contact with a uh, relationship with Allah, will always do to follow that particular attribute of Salam to ma- maintain peace in the society. But you know, maintaining peace in the society, uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, especially if it comes to the treatment of Hudabiyah, his aim was basically. Not only to stop war, but also to maintain peace in the society. Yeah, and mm. and um, even with with war in Islam, you know, Islam sets down um, such clear guidelines as to when a war is uh, ethically right and and um, and how a war should be uh, conducted as well. Um, for example, we all know that um, war was permitted in self-defense. Mm. Or when uh, other nations had attacked an Islamic state, um, or if another state is is oppressing its own Muslims, uh, that's when that's when it was permitted, and it should be conducted in a in a very disciplined way, right? Uh, to avoid injuring non uh, combat combats, and with the minimum necessary force, um, without anger, and with humane treatment towards uh, prisoners of war. So. Um, you know, m- Muslims only wage war according to the principles of of Allah's justice. So, um, just 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 uh, you, just to let you know, you know, you said a very interesting point in the beginning. Sharif and Muwaid have heard it. ethical uh, mm. things doing war. This is something very strange. You you, you won't see these things in, in these days, especially you know when what we see in these days of the different, isn't it? No, so so ethical um, war was something that made war more um, acceptable, if you want to, um, if you have a better way of putting it. So you had a dispute, and people would come and go on a battlefield and fight each other, and that would be the end of it. So, for example, if you take the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, they left Medina, they left Mecca, they went into a place and they fought a war and then came back. Women, children, people of um, priests, or or the elderly, all of those were not harmed during those battles. Whereas nowadays what we see is indiscriminate killing. So this is where we're sending drones, we're sending missiles, we're sending mm. fighter jets, all these kind of things that cannot differentiate between a child a priest, a church, an elderly person, women, children, they they don't. And this is the bit that the war has come to, that ethical element that was mm. there, where you weren't allowed to, even, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, he said very clearly that places of worship, priests, and anyone who mm. seek refuge in those places should not be harmed. You, you, you just Only mentioned... Sorry, uh, you, you just mentioned um, the place of worship. Um, you know, as I far as I remember, if as uh, you guys have already mentioned, the Muslims were treated in a very bad, inhuman way in Mecca, and uh, they were 
forced to leave Mecca and then they find shelter in Medina and they left Medina where they could also practice their own religion. But what happened if that, of course, the people in Mecca, this is history now, the people in Mecca, they came for forward for war. And uh, now this is where God has revealed then, um, that permission to fight is allowed for those who were told to leave their houses, premises, and to know that they, if they don't go for war, as uh, so Sharif, you already mentioned that f- places of worship like church, synagogues, temples, and in the end, God mentioned the mosque, uh, will be destroyed. And here you see that Muslim didn't go for war only for to you know to conquer more lands, which we see nowadays, right? People are go for going for war to get more lands. No, Muslim went for war to defend the, these places of worship, defend the priests, mm-hmm. defend other people with different faith, with their own life. And and remember again, God has mentioned the mosque on the end to just to remind them that defend the other people first before you defend yourself. And then this is how they went then and they defended the rights of others. This is something we won't see nowadays. What we see is we see war for money, for black money, war to um, get more land, and. Of course, you know, we talk about ethical rights during war. The Holy Prophet, peace upon him, has told not to cut a tree, not to kill a yeah. child, not to kill a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, these things, uh, especially killing innocent children and women, we we don't see them nowadays. You know, if you look how many children were killed in Iraq, mm. or how many children are dying in Yemen. Yeah. Um, this is something... Um, uh, we have, we won't see nowadays, and uh, this is how Islam, you know, basically, you know, Islam is telling us the way how to live, and Islam was always there to prevent war, and this is what we see in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah as well. Um, for the Holy Prophet, peace upon him, that treaty was so good, he was so happy to know that there won't be war for the next 10 years. And, and uh, guys, if you look, I mean, how he conquered Mecca is also very differently what we see nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, yeah very. Uh, I mean, um, he conquered Mecca without harming anyone. Uh, it is um, uh, he just went in Mecca, and everyone was forgiven. Uh, and uh, this is you know this is why I'm saying that you won't see these things nowadays to forgive everyone and uh, not to harm anyone while conquering a whole city. Uh, it is very strange um, and this is you know this is a good example unfortunately this is what we're not seeing nowadays uh, but the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, especially in the uh, Treaty of Odebia if you say to that um, as far as I remember this treaty only lasted for two years because the other party they went against the treaty but during this you know this is death one uh, allegations against Islam that Islam was spread with sword. Now we have under- made them understand that the Muslim went for war only to defend themselves. But what is the notion that Islam has defended, uh, Islam has spread, uh, uh, the Muslim has spread Islam with sword? If you look in a treaty for the two years, we see differences, isn't it? Hmm. Any one of you guys want to? T- I think it's, it's, 
it's very different. And then we look at how we see things nowadays. We've moved away from what you would you would you would see as traditional or ethical or even moral um, ways of of declaring war and fighting. So in Islam, and we see in the Holy Quran that fighting has been allowed, but only against those who fight against you. And but Allah has made it very clear: do not transgress, for surely Allah loves not the transgressors. So we see there that even in those terms, when war has been allowed, Allah has made it very clear that we should not transgress, i.e., those rules and and uh, principles that is laid out. So like fighting near the sacred mosque or fighting against those who have not fought, is not, has not raised arm against you, is not allowed. Children, um, women, or even people of um, different, um, like um, of what we call people of the cloth. So, so priests, imams, and everything, they should not be harmed in any way. They should be protected. This is, uh, you know, this is very interesting. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, if you come back to the treaties, uh, as I said, the treaty lasts only for two years. But in that treaty, uh, in these two years, there was no war. But Muslims were still enabled uh, to convert other people into Islam by telling them the truth, by telling them, uh, by explaining them what Islam actually is. And when they saw the beauty of Islam, uh, they converted. So we could see that Islam is basically not spread by the sword. It is spread by love and compassion. Mm. Sharif, um, but we'll come back to the Second World War. As I said, it's a very sad it's, it's part of the history on human, human on humanity. But especially about the veterans, how were they treated after when they returned home? So the veterans were treated and remembered will depend on a great deal of how the nation remembers its wars. The troops that were coming home were given sixty dollars and a rail ticket home after dis after their discharge. A study in um, 1921 estimated that nearly 76,000 U.S. veterans suffered from shell shock. The term then, um, the term which we now know, has PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. And by July um, 1921, more than 400 veterans' suicides were reported in New York State alone. Veterans could receive medical care only if they could get it to a facility of the National Home for the Disabled Volunteer Soldiers. The modern Veterans Administration would not be um, created until the 1930s. Disabled vets could get um, vocational training, but there was no GI Bill for the millions of others. Um, African Americans hope service in the in the army would earn them equality in the american society other marginalized groups such as the young japanese american men in turn in world war ii would similarly seek to demonstrate their patriotism in the wars that followed the u.s military was strictly um, segregated until the korean war when the overwhelming need for troops forced integration and black troops in World War One were re relegated to support um, roles. 
thank you for that, Sharif. Um, we have, um, uh, dear listeners, we have some, uh, no, uh, guest with us, Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, uh, who's also a producer and host of uh, Living History on Voice of Islam. Another a very interesting show on the radio. If you have, uh, if you want to learn more about history and especially about Islamic history, then you should really watch that um, show or should listen to that show. Uh, and uh, he has, uh, he also is um, held several board level positions as non-executive executive director and NSS organization. So, Dr. Mohamed Iqbal, um, good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum to our listeners. Wa alaikum Peace and blessings of Allah be with you. You know, uh, we were talking about history and especially we were talking about the mistakes the hum- humanity has done and why we could not learn from the mistakes, uh, especially about war. Um, can you just briefly shed light on the events that led to World War II for our listeners? Well, the World War II, um, most people remember as probably one of the bloodiest affairs uh, for humanity um, during the Second World War, something like 55 to 60 million uh, people died. And, um, you know, it involved so many parts of the world. Uh, but in many ways, Second World War was very an unfinished business from the First World War, which started in 1914. So, you know, world wars and all wars are part and parcel of humanity's development, as you've covered in your program earlier on. Uh, in living history, we cover, you know, rise and fall of many nations and empires, and um, the wars have determined their boundaries and uh, uh, the legacies they've left behind. Uh, and World War Two certainly was... Um, an unfinished business from First World War when Germany was defeated by the Allies. And this has been an ongoing tussle and affair between the great European powers, both on the European continent and across the world when they colonized much of the world uh, as well. Um, Listeners may recall when the First World War ended, um, Germany was uh, uh, defeated. Uh, and the Treaty of Versailles was uh, um, uh, made in France by the great powers, which brought in the Americans and the British and the French. And uh, that treaty was so punitive to Germany. I mean, of course, you know, in wars, the victors, uh, they largely write the treaties, but... um, uh, anybody with um, uh, a, a sense of justice and fairness and wanting peace and prosperity in the long term would make sure that uh, the agreements um, are reasonable uh, and not too punitive. But unfortunately, all historians agree that that, that treaty was punitive. It was meant to be the peace to end all wars, but I think later historians called it the peace to end all peace because... Mm-hmm. Uh, It deprived Germany so much that it really led to the rise of uh, Nazism, Hitler and everything, and people could see that coming. Uh, Many of our history books uh, teach that. So that's how it started, basically. The the seeds were laid and the First World War has ended and uh, how the Second World War began and how Hitler came to rise. So basically, one reason of the war was the treaty, which was made after the First World War. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the biggest <laughs> factors, because just to put it in perspective, so in um, uh, an armistice was uh, signed in um, uh, 1918, 
And, um, you know, Germany was crippled. Just just to give you uh, an idea, uh, as Germany tried to recover, you know, the economy just absolutely collapsed mm-hmm. uh, with inflation uh, going out of control. So uh, the food, for example, for a family of four person, which cost 60 marks uh, a week in April 1919, cost 190 marks in September 1920, 230 marks by November 1920. Um, and, you know, uh, certain items like uh, eggs, tea, etc. rose 40, 50 times. Uh, in 1922, which is only a few years after the First World War, right? Uh, a litre of milk cost 7 marks in April 1922, 16 marks by August. Uh, and, you know, um, um, it just went up by thousands of percent. Uh, people just couldn't mm-hmm. afford it. I mean, you remember people were having to carry money in wheelbarrows barrels because the inflation had become hyperinflation. Uh, Germany's um, economy was totally crippled. They couldn't pay the war reparations for First World War. France then invaded part of uh, Germany to punish them further. That made things even worse. Uh, so it was absolutely a shocking situation. And many, many good historians had actually predicted that. And that's what actually led to Hitler and his rise, because he said, enough is enough. We can't cope with this. The, the, the economy was crippled. And as it turned out, the, the Nazis were very organized. They were nasty, but they were very mm. well organized. And he brought the economy up. And of course, later he became the chancellor and uh, you know, the, that's what, as I say, prepared the Second World War, because as in Germany, Germans were always a very clever nation. They were very productive, and this is part of the problem. The The British, the French, and the Russians have tried to keep Germany down in many ways over the last uh, 200 years, etc. But uh, they came up very rapidly, and they industrialized, and uh, they became a major power, and that's when the grounds were prepared, and... Uh, uh, of course, Hitler invaded Poland and the Second World War started. And uh, uh, if it hadn't been for the Americans coming in again into the war uh, and the sacrifice largely by the Russian army, to be honest, the Russians paid the biggest price in defeating uh, Nazi Germany, you know, the world would be a different place. But as I said, you know, 55 to 60 million people died and many others were displaced. That's very sad. Dr. Iqbal, thank you for this. This was very um, an insightful um, answer um, to, to our question. Our second question is, how was society rebuilt after World War II? Well, uh, it was a very difficult time because um, uh, listeners will recall, um, you know, Europe had basically ruled the world for nearly 200 uh, years. The First World War crippled Europe to a significant extent, and a lot of the colonies were lost. The Second World War did even more damage. So France and uh, Britain, large, large parts of their empire. The Americans became the totally dominant uh, economy. And, you know, of course, uh, after the Second World War, the whole financial system was changed around where the Americans made the dollar the standard of uh, the, the world. So by now, Europe had crippled itself through these two wars uh, and uh, 
got a basket case economically, and the Americans had to save Europe through the Marshall Plan, which was over $16 billion, uh, you know, dollars uh, sort of pumped in, which in this, in this day and age, that's not much, but in those days, that was quite a lot. So Europe was rebuilt. Uh, the soldiers that came back to devastated lands had to rebuild those lands. Uh, and the society had changed in a big way as well. You know, a lot of soldiers went out, uh, a lot of broken families uh, with, you know, women having to fend for themselves. Um, so when soldiers came back, they found a totally different world. Um, you know, a, a lot of freedoms as well because of sort of broken families. Uh, and um, slowly and steadily, the economies were rebuilt uh, um, Britain took quite a bit of time to recover because uh, of the damage during the bombing. The Americans' economy absolutely grew like wildfire after the war. And uh, slowly and steadily, I mean, many of us came to the UK in the 60s when they were just beginning to rebuild, 50s or 60s anyway. Or our parents came anyway. So society had changed in a big way, socially as well and economically. There was some hardship, but the economy grew. And that's what happens after a war. Because you see massive devastation over in, you know, the three, four years when the war uh, took place. Uh, and, um, yeah, society changed both socially and economically and otherwise as well. Dr. Leem, uh, it's very interesting to listen to you. And I'm sure the listeners will agree with me if, uh, if you can, uh, to that. If you can do me a favor, if you can stay with us after the news break as well. Um, and uh, we can discuss this um, segment further with you. Sure, sure. Okay, dear listeners, uh, we're going now for the sh uh, news break. Uh, stay, uh, if you want to listen to Dr. Iqbal, stay with us. We'll be back after the news break. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful, listeners, welcome back to the breakfast show. Um, I'm joined here with my brother Sharif and our guest Dr. Muhammad Iqbal and we are talking about Second World War, especially about the outcome of that war. Um, Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, uh, again, uh, a warm welcome. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You just explained that uh, um, the difficulties the soldiers faced after the war had ended. Uh, yes, mm. yes, we were talking about the end of the war. I mean, one mm. of the important things to remember also is um, the Second World War um, was fought in some ways based on geographical and sort of you know land grabbing purposes, but also ideological in terms of battle between capitalism and communism. Because after the First World War, the Russians. Um, had replaced their czar with communism. And the Second World War, from Russian point of view, under Stalin was fought with the communist regime. So when the war finished, the world was divided between a capitalist camp led by the Americans and the British and the French, uh, etc., and then you had the, the communists. So after the Second World Society, really, was shaped by those two ideologies, free world Western capitalism, where, you know, individuals could develop their businesses and you had the big individual companies like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, this, mm. that, and, the, and then you had state-controlled economies like the Chinese and the Russians as well. So society was developed in lots of different uh, ways uh, there as well. But... Um, 
I suppose the capitalist camp really was the most successful because of monetary policies and the availability of money through the World Bank and International Monetary Fund and all nations were able to, you know, get money at interest, etc., largely from Western institutions uh, and uh, build up and develop themselves. And we have the society that uh, we have with these ills uh, as well. Um, to some extent, the communists did reasonably well uh, in Russia, but eventually they lost out uh, uh, obviously, so uh, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fascinating uh, phase. But the greed of capitalism eventually led to many other wars, as you know, after the Second World mm. War, and we never seemed to stop having wars. And God forbid that uh, we have another one. Uh, you can see with Ukraine, mm. that is also actually a continuation from the Second World War. To be honest with you, in many ways, Ukraine has been central in how you know Britain, France control Russia and uh, Germany as well to some extent. So you're talking about now the wars that uh, there were many wars after the Second World War. How comes that we have never learned from our mistakes? I think that's part of the human uh, psyche. You know, you mentioned the Holy Quran mentions uh, the, the sort of the the fight between Zadam al-Islam's uh, two sons. Mm -hmm. Um, humanity is always fighting between serving fellow brother and greed to take over things of your brother as well. So that's part of human nature. Uh, and then there are certain ideologies as well that inflame those situations. And Islam in many ways, as a religion, came to control these passions and this greed in humanity and to say, look, um, it's not about, you know, uh, having empires and uh, the sort of the, the landmass, etc. It's about being fair and being just and uh, being honest. And um, unfortunately, um, you know, the Judeo-Christian uh, teachings are also very adversarial between, you know, good and evil, as other teachings are as well. But there's always an evil, there's always an evil empire that we draw and we have to fight against. And that's what we continue to do, that uh, we label the neighbor, the other nation, the other people as evil, and we have to defeat them. And this was used to destroy Iraq, as you know, in the last few decades. Mm. It has been used to destroy Syria. And increasingly now there's this battle going on between the, the Russians and the Western camp, and uh, God knows where it will lead to. But uh, Islam uh, tries to say that, look, look at justice. Even if you have to go against your own, you must be just and you must be fair. Your treaties must be fair. And until we can do that. United Nations was set up, I mean, prior to the United Nations and after the first war, the League of Nations was set up to stop wars, but that failed miserably. Mm -hmm. Then the United Nations was set up. But until they follow these Islamic principles, I don't think it's possible, really, uh, because even the United Nations was hijacked by the powers, and therefore the big European powers largely dictated everything. And uh, you see all the wars from the you know, Korean War, Vietnam War, Middle East Wars, and now in, the, in Europe as well. So what are the Islamic principles, basically, to maintain peace? Islam is pretty clear that, look, sovereignty belongs to God Almighty, hmm. full stop, okay? You are there only as vicegerents, as those who are answerable to God, to look after your affairs at tribe level, at nation level, and if need be, at uh, empire level. And when you have a just ruler, you know, God blesses them, and God blesses those lands as well. 
Uh, I mean, one of the greatest rulers of time was Cyrus the Great, and you may you see his mention in the Holy Quran, in the Bible, and in mm. historical books as well. Um, and you know, similarly, I know people go on about the British Empire and how bad it was and all that. But during Queen Victoria's rule, for example, the British were magnanimous and they were more just than many other empires. And the Promised Messiah, Mary Islam, who came during that period, he also praised her and the way you know justice was so islam you know insists on that that you must do justice uh, and if you have to fight you fight in defense not aggressively against your brother's or to take over the lands as well and to establish peace and prosperity so people can talk freely think freely and express themselves as well but at the end of it they have a moral um, strong moral fabric in that society, and anybody who tries to destroy that, you you know you you challenge it as well. So, um, uh, but we unfortunately we ignore Islamic teachings mm. to our peril, unfortunately. But um, uh, recently, um, even the Ahmadi Muslim community has tried to maintain peace and His Holiness. I believe he also went to see leaders, uh, world leaders, to. to Introduce them to Islamic religion to principle. Can you just highlight a few of the uh, teachings he has uh, brought to the world? Well, uh, Azur has been a true man of uh, peace, and in some ways, I honestly believe that the world is lucky that we haven't fallen into the trap of uh, a big war yet, which mm. can still happen. But I think the fact that Azur has been highlighting for the last, you know, since his Khilafat and Khulafah even before that, but current um, uh, Azur has done that in particular. He's been to Capitol Hill, to Washington. He's been to the European Commission and the you know, European sort of, uh, Central Powers, the Houses of Parliament and elsewhere, and saying why it's important for, um, you know, nations to have strong principles, to have justice-based systems, and to look at true Islamic teachings, which tries to convey... Uh, this message of uh, peace as well. And he has been uh, greatly regarded by um, a lot of the nations and a lot of the politicians, but unfortunately, see, lobbying groups and vested interests take over. And that's what drives us towards war. You talked about, you know, veterans. Veterans are some of the keenest people who are anti-war, who have voices against going into war because they know what war involves, the mm. dis- the damage and the loss of life and the trauma that you have to suffer because they've been in the trenches, they've fought in the wars, they've got damaged limbs, they've got damaged minds. And so the veterans throughout whichever war they've been, they fought against it. And Azur understands from the point of view the poor soldier who has to fight and the society that has to pick up the damage. But vested groups, you see, they push you towards wars because they want more resources, they want more... There's greed that drives them, and this is the problem in the world, and that's how our politics is governed as well at the moment. Even the Ukrainian situation, I won't go into detail because Mm. we don't have time, but Mm. that could have easily been avoided. But you can see that there are vested interests that are pushing us deeper and deeper into war, and we are extending the war more and more by supplying weapons and having more death and destruction rather than trying to find a way for peace. This is uh, again very sad to hear. But um, before you go, you know this is uh, one allegation against Islam. Even the Pope, the, pre- uh, the uh, previous Pope Benedict XVI, has made that allegation that Islam was spread with a sword. Or oh, what is the truth about that? 
How was Islam spread in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? That's absolute nonsense. I think anyone who opens an unbiased world history book will know that that was not the truth. If you look at the example set by the Holy Prophet and the righteous caliphs in the first 30 years of their rule, there's nothing in history that can match at the way they tried to uh, practice their religion, promote their religion, and defend their religion. And the wars were allowed largely as defensive wars. Certainly before Islam took over the whole of Arabia, that was the case. They were under attack all the time, and they defended themselves. And then when under the righteous caliphs, the empire expanded, uh, you know, it was one of the fastest spreads. But it wasn't by the sword. These were people who wanted to spread the message of Islam that was conveyed to people. And when they were attacked, and when the other empires attacked them for spreading their message and seeing them as danger, then they defended themselves. And of course, they defeated them. And that's how the empire spread. And throughout human history, even during the latter period of the Ottoman uh, Empire as well, when you look at the treatment of uh, uh, Mehmed the Conqueror of Constantinople when he took that over, when you compare to that to what the Christians did, even the Western Christians who took over Constantinople uh, against the Byzantines, they absolutely destroyed the Byzantines when the Crusaders took over Constantinople. But when the Turks took over, it was uh, relatively better. Of course, war involves some of the violence. And similarly, when Saladin took over um, Jerusalem again after the Crusaders had uh, uh, destroyed and massacred thousands and thousands of Muslims, even the Christian books tell you that, you know, uh, so much blood was shed, but uh, he did not do that as well. Similarly, in Spain, uh, you know, nearly 700 years of rule, you don't do that uh, if there isn't some support and appreciation by others around you as well. So it's an absolute uh, nonsense. Of course, sometimes there will have been some tyrants over 14, 1500 years of human uh, Islamic history as well. But Islam never allowed that, and most of the great leaders, you know, it was the great from the Mughals, or the Ottomans, the Safavids. The, uh, living history covers a lot of that, and I would urge the listeners to listen to our programs. Um, Dr. Mohammad Iqbal, thank you for joining and uh, sharing your thought. It was very interesting to listen to you. Before you go, as I said, you are a producer and host of Living History on Voice of Islam. When are the listeners able to listen to your show? So those of you in the south can obviously listen to the live scheduling as it uh, comes. And those who are in the north and other parts of the world, obviously you can listen to uh, through the website and SoundCloud as well. But just just to, if you give me a second, I'm producing a seven-part series on the history of money and trade. And that actually will take you from the beginnings of empires, from the early Sumerian mm. and Persian empires up to the current conflict between China and America, going through First World War, the rise of European powers, the Spanish Empire, Portuguese, etc. So it covers the whole span of human history and how empires have you know, risen and fallen and uh, conquests and also the uh, important role that money and trade have played in that. So inshallah that series will be out very soon this summer. Shalom. Um, Dr. Muhammad Ibrahim, thank you for joining again. I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. Appreciate it. Assalamualaikum. <clears throat> Dear listeners, if you want to learn more of about the principle of peace which Islam has presented, uh, you can do so by reading a book. It's known as The Pathway of Peace, where His Holiness, Hazrat Musul Ahmed, especially, has introduced the beautiful, peaceful Islamic teachings to the world leaders and especially also to the world. 
and I'm sure you will find many, many ways how to maintain peace in the society as well. Um, we will end this segment now and we'll come to the next segment. But before we do so, we'll go for a short break. So do me a favor and stay in tune with the Voice of Islam Radio. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, a warm assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Welcome to the breakfast show. My name is Shahabin Ahmed and I'm joined here with my brother Sharif Bunum. The time is 20 past 8 and we will discuss now a very interesting topic, Sharif. It is, it is. And I think... I, I think it's a topic that if we had Brother Kayyum, he would have a very strong opinion on this with us this morning. But the topic that we're discussing is who is dependent on whom, influencers or followers. So, Brother Shahir, what's the gist of this story? So, it's very interesting. As for influencers, it's very important for them to get likes and followers, as this is the best way to increase their income. Also, influencers try to influence their followers to buy certain products or to adopt their way of living, but also how far they would go for likes. Now, are the followers dependent on the influencers or is it the opposite? I mean, if you look into that, how many influencers are there who are doing the thing what their followers actually want them to do? If they, they always say let me know in your comments and then they write down three things in the comments and that what is written down in the comments they will do it. so sometimes we think we are dependent on the influencers but it is like they are more dependent on us as I said we are the best we are we have actually their money right we, we are the income from them but if they yeah. what if we don't like them what if we don't subscribe to the channels or if we don't um, follow them they will lose the money and uh, therefore they need to do something with how they can actually please us yeah, it's it's very interesting because it reminds me of like a symbi- symbiotic relationship where one party is dependent on the other, but they both mutually benefit from it. So I think the the area that we need to look at is not all 
influences are good or bad. There are good things out there. But the problem is when influencers try to get their followers to do certain things that are not necessarily the right things to do. But but for our listeners, Shahil, um, what what is an influencer? What's the definition? So that's a good or, question. That's a good question because you know what? You know, these influencers, they have become so popular. Um, if you like, uh, as I said last week as well, uh, if you go like a decade back, you know, a decade ago, if you would ask a child or what he or she wants to become, I would tell you, mm. uh, I want to become a doctor, a teacher, I don't know, nurse, um, a professor, etc. <laughs> but if you know, if you know, in this day and age, if you ask children what they want to become, they will simply say, I want to be an influencer. Mm. Uh, and this is very strange. I mean, this is, has become very popular. I mean, uh, they have, you know, they have the power or to, uh, to manipulate the mind of other people, basically. Mm. Or they use their authority and, and position uh, to build that build a relationship with the audience. Because, you know, you need to look into that. It is your life you're showing it to the, to the world. You're telling them what to do. Uh, and you just open the camera and you see them that they are making these 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 things and people are get influenced to them and they do the same. But what we want to know is how much are influenced are the influence by us? You, you know, she, hey. yes, please come on. No, no, go on, go on. I, I want to share an example. It's a very sad example, but it's a true example. Now, what happened if um, in America? Uh, young young boy, nineteen years old. He was a TikTok TikTok fa- uh, f- um, TikTok star, right? This is how he described himself, or this is how people are describing him. Now, what he did is he he never wanted to become famous, but he just shared a video w- w- how he's annoying his neighbor, and that video came, went so viral that he uh, got a lot of, a lot of likes, and he thought, okay, this is the way I can become famous too. So he started annoying his neighbors, uh, a, a, a family of three children, and father and mother, of course. And uh, what happened is that, of course, the parents they they um, they were annoyed. Everyone was annoyed from the family members, and while he was uh, um, pranking them, and one day, uh, he one of the uh, when he was driving the car. He saw one of his neighbors riding the bicycle and he just turned on his camera and said, look, that's one of my neighbors. And in the comments, someone said, you know what? Go after him with the car. And this is what he did. And the other neighbor, he got very scared. And uh, then suddenly a small accident happened with both of them. And of course, the neighbor who was in the bicycle, he got injured pretty much. So um, this is uh, the reason the parents then went to his grandparents of the uh, TikTok star and told them that to tell his grandchild to leave us alone. And when a child, when a, uh, when that particular influencer or TikTok star found out that they have went to his grandparents, uh, he went very angry. He couldn't understand. He couldn't believe that he, he they are telling his grandparents to stop him doing the things. So he went tried to go for another prank, but that prank went very. Uh, I mean that prank. Uh, didn't go uh, in in the favor of him because during this prank he accidentally killed uh, the father, and uh, you, you can see that he was so influenced by the followers that they told him what to do, 
and while listening to his followers or yeah, just doing what his followers told him to do, he made the biggest crime he could do, and he went to, uh, he, therefore he went to jail. Only to please his influencers, he was annoying or uh, uh, other people. And I think this is where we can see that how much influencers are dependent on us, and uh, that they would t- only to please us or only to become fam- to become famous. Mm-hmm. They are literally doing, ready to do everything, as I said. Do silly things. And, and I think that's, that's one element of it. So when you're looking at it from your point of view in terms of people doing things and peop- other people egging them on to do harmful things, but there's also the element of financial gain. So when you look at influencers mm-hmm. in terms of social media as a whole, the growing number are doing it not only to become famous, but to become rich quick. So if you think about social media as a whole, there's 3.4 billion people on social media nowadays. That's 45% of the world population. If you think about the influence such a big uh, number of people can in that uh, that impacts the world, 45% is huge. And if you think about the instantaneous kind of likes, dislikes, comments, the world that you can reach in that instant is huge. So the potential of good in this, so when you're talking about sharing good practice, sharing good morals, good visions, good ethics, it has a a significant platform. However, it's all in its use. What we're seeing nowadays is influencers are going on, whether you have a macro influencer, a... a, um, mega influencers and all those kind of thing you see that their input into it is very self-motivated it's either for their self um quick endorphin kick to have that good feeling or it's to make money and this is where the pitfalls are where people are trying to sell a lifestyle trying to sell a product trying to sell an idea to make money which Sometimes, to be honest, they might not even believe in itself. Some of the videos you see about products that you can buy, mm. it's like, do I really need that? Why do I need such a thing? I've been doing fine all these years without such a product, but all of a sudden, we see it on TikTok, we see it on on um, Instagram, and all of a sudden, we need to have that item. Where is that? Where is that need coming from? Other than us being influenced by someone trying to make money out of it and this is this is quite a a significant psychological effect that it's having on children they're seeing things on online they have this access to what we're calling um we've had this discussion last week with brother kiyum where we were talking about smartphones or smart devices where children have access to all of these technology have quick access to information quick access to seeing what other friends family and so forth are doing it creates an unrest in society it is it is creating an unrest in society and as i said the, play, uh, the big roles are played by the influencers as well i don't know how many influencers you know personally i know someone as he's very famous and you know behind the camera is different and uh, when the camera is off he's very different as i know him personally as i said and uh, it is that's a funny thing you know um he is not that what he is trying to be uh, behind the camera and uh, so this is kind of a game for him as well 
he's trying mm. to change or he's trying to be someone different when the camera is on and as soon as the camera is off he changes Uh, and this is what you know for example when i you know when i start watching uh, videos on youtube or social media it is because uh, i wanted to see like some funny stuff you know when they made some small funny videos i really liked them but in the end you know it turned out that when it came to that point that you know uh, when they promoted and uh, trying to promote few of the stuff this was us then stop stop watching it because it is not like they promoting it it is like they want us to buy it it is like you guys you have to need you need to, to, to buy that uh it is uh as you know they 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 compare us as a community that you are my community you uh, you, you need to do that um if i'm telling you you have to do that it's very important exactly mm. and this is why i thought like he is begging me to do certain things and this is you know why i thought okay now i need to stop that watching this stuff for him exactly uh, so so islam teaches us moderation and anything that will um hurt our soul what what islam call our nafs so our desires mm-hmm. so anything that will go against that and if we think about looking at the good effect that social media can have everything that we do should be in moderation so if we use we use social media in moderation we look at it on the good things and we try to curtain our curtail our desires and um, and to look at the bad things it can be it can be used to do good things to preach to share good morals good ethics good good discussion it could it could open a world of it could, it knowledge could. however But, people use it for the bad The thing is that um I know that Islam well, this is what we have told many many times uh, that we should put our religious desires over worldly desires. Um I know that uh, with social media we can promote Islam as well but how can we do that? How can we while using social media put our religious desires over worldly desires? So it's it's quite <laughs> it's quite easy to be honest with you because we have um within our community itself we have daily if not multiple times a day updates in terms of teachings of the holy prophet peace and blessing of allah be upon um be upon him and also um, teachings of the promised messiah that we share and we um we put together and we kind of share that with the community what we find is people are reluctant to share this kind of knowledge whether it's few through knowledge or whether it's through a desire not to be associated with with it but our our role that the reason why we were brought on on this earth is to spread goodness is to preach is to share our values and the quick way to do that is when we get these things is to post it on our social media so that it reaches our listeners and if we are in that sphere of influences or um we need to think about what is it that we're putting out there mm-hmm. what is it that we are sharing with the world and how can that benefit the world mm-hmm. what value is that adding to the world and how is that making the world a better place so one thing that i am i'm always conscious of and i'm i've always said that to the people around me is we tend to share everything we don't have a boundary in terms of what we put out there but sometimes we need to think about what is that creating are we sharing things for the sake of sharing it are we sharing it with an a motive of making other people jealous are we doing it for showing off 
So all of these kind of things where it has a negative connotation, Islam has taught us to stay away from. And if you're doing it with good intention, even then there could be a negative implication. You could make someone feel bad. You could make them feel, um, if you're sharing your happiness, your joy, your um, you've been on holiday, you've been all these things, but someone who's um, unable to do that might feel bad about it and that might create certain disorder or certain, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, unrest in society and this is what we need to think about whether we are an influencer or not or whether we are sharing what we're sharing on social media what's the impact it's having if you know if you went to uh, i don't know went on a nice holiday somewhere people don't know the struggle that people go to to save up for a holiday all they see is that snapshot in time of what you've shared how does that impact the other person seeing it they might be genuinely happy to see that or it might make them feel bad. We don't know. You you, you said uh, it is um, having a bad thing on the world as well. You know, um, if we talk about religious desires and worldly desires, you know, this is one thing um, which comes, uh, which we see is it's a big fight. You know, uh, that um, that uh, for uh, for for us so should we follow our worldly desires or should we follow our religious desire who should we put over um, and uh, being an influencer yeah, um, of course um, mostly it is seen that they are just following the worldly desires but the problem Silas had some he has explained it very beautifully what it means when we say that put you religious desire over the worldly desires he has, he has given an example of, uh, of a vehicle he said that um If you want to re if you want to reach one destination, you use the vehicle. The vehicle is the mean for you to reach that destination. So basically, the vehicle becomes a servant of you of you uh, because you are using it, and you are the master of the vehicle. And he said, use the worldly desires. Yes, use the worldly desires so they they can serve the religious desires. So as an influencer to use social media, you can you can easily serve. Islam Ahmadiyyat. This is what a lot of people do. We have a lot of contact um, content on, on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Snapchat, YouTube, etc., where people can learn about the true teachings of Islam. We share a lot of things, a lot of quotes of the Prophet Messiah, a lot of sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and even you know the sermon of His Holiness can be listened on YouTube as well. So this is how we, uh, this is how we basically um, use worldly. Uh, the world, so uh, to uh, so it can serve the religion, the, uh, the community of the Ahmadi Muslim com uh, Ahmadi Muslim community, and uh, this is you know this is one way how we can put religious desire over worldly desires. You know, it is important. I was taught as a youngster, as a young child, always to make sure that I am not following the world, that I am not becoming the slave of the world. Yes, mm -hmm. but the world should become the slave of me. That the world should follow exactly. me, and if you do that, if you if you follow the worldly desire, uh, if you sorry, if you follow the religious desire, suddenly the worldly desire will follow us as well, and we know how to use it, how to use them, how to make sure that they that the worldly desires only serve the religion of Islam, and I think sorry, but as an influencer, you can do so much. You can you know you can help to build the society. You can make them understand what Islam actually is. Exactly. And um, 
um, something that I'd like to make very clear is that Islam doesn't teach us to. Um, so the promised Messiah kind of very clearly stated that. Um, remember that it is not all. It is not at all that the will of God is for you mm. to complete for us to completely cut us, cut ourselves off from this world. Rather, Allah's will is that um, we we truly prospers and those who purify his souls, his soul. And the promised Messiah goes on to say, do undertake trade, farming, employment, craftsmanship, undertake whatever pleases you. And I, I just want to frame that this is at the time in the 1900s or mm. late, 18, late 1800s that the promised Messiah is talking about. He's talking in terms of the, 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 um, the trades that existed at the time, but we can apply the same thing nowadays. So if, if being an influencer is something that you guys want to do, there is no harm in it. But what you need to think about is how is that affecting your your soul? How is that affecting your desires? So is that and um, kind of undertake that undertaking? Is that leading you to disobeying Allah? Leading you to kind of move away from purification of your own soul and mind? But also the Promised Messiah went on to say on another occasion. The fulfillment of the rights of the self is permissible, but transgression of the self is not. So we need to think about what is it that we're doing and how is that impacting on ourselves. And thus a believer should always keep these words before him so that the love of material object does not grow to such an extent that it makes one mm. forget God. So if we're finding ourselves spending too much time on social media and looking at that instead of doing our prayers, instead of reading the Quran, reading books of the Promised Messiah, reading books or the Hadith of the, the Holy Prophet, all of these kind of things takes us away from God. Whereas if we're spending time on social media with the intention of us getting closer to God, there is nothing wrong with that. Of course not. Because, you know, as you said, um, the Promised Messiah said, some, we can't, said we can't cut ourselves off from the world we are part of this world and exactly. of social media is a big part playing a big part on that as well and of course therefore we 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 need to make use of it and it's not harm on it as you said to be an influencer if you help the world if you tell them the true teaching of islam mm. it helps i mean we have people who do that and it's that's the thing you know this is how we can prosper and how this is how we help people to prosper as well to come forward and uh, to learn about it um you know uh sharif i don't know how um uh, if you if you go on youtube and if you watch a few videos uh, the thing is that um what where i make like a full stop to the videos or where i make a full stop not to mm. follow them anymore is that when they say in the end uh do subscribe us and uh, leave a, a thumb up for us or leave a comment hey. and, and then uh, this is why i think that uh It is like we have to do this, right? Uh, otherwise, we, mm -hmm. we are not part of his community. This is where I think that uh, no, this is not what I want. Um, I want. I, I don't want to be uh, told to do that because uh, he wants is, wants for me. No, I I just want to do something what I really want to do. Um, you know, mm. like a decade ago when we when we used to be youngsters, we didn't, uh, social media was like uh, I don't know introduced while when Facebook was. Invented, right uh, this is like almost 15 years ago before that we didn't have any social media mm. well, the only thing we had like were these reality stars or this like the stars uh, celebrities right 
and uh, what they would do we would like simply we would follow them right uh, if, uh, for example back in my you have so many hair uh, hairstyles and we would follow the hairstyles as well clothing exact everything even for shoes uh, we would be influenced by them uh, and we would know that we thought okay it is actually very good to do that and now uh, as i said social media is everywhere social media is uh, part of our life is in our pocket and uh, we got influenced by these people uh, so simply uh, so easily um, and they these influencers they are very inte- intelligent as well they know because it's a big business for them they know how to deal with us how what to do uh, to influence us um i told you the story of one of the youngster who killed his neighbor only to get famous there's one another very funny story this is a funny story about one person he, he made a uh, content about food and uh he had one uh, he made i think he made a pizza a very large pizza and he, and he was told to eat the whole pizza and this is what he did and uh he, while he was eating the pizza he was also filming it and he got a lot of subscribers after that and a lot of people were watching that video as well now what happened is that he thought okay that's a good re- a good way to make money that's a good way to become famous so he started making more videos of where he was eating food and he was a very you know um, um he was thin um he was um uh he, i won't say that he was um someone who was um fat he was very thin but after he started fe- eating food he was eating he was consuming so much food that he became so fat that even one of his rib broke down because of the uh, because of uh, the heavy weight he had oh. and only uh, and, and he was still eating it and he was still doing it and even you know he had uh, he, he he became so fat that he even need needed a machine to breathe so he was putting his life in so much danger only to please his followers so you know this is obviously this is what i don't just start understand why would you do that why would you become so much famous to harm yourself as well um why would you just listen to people who even don't know you just making fun about you you know this is then how i think that they need to make uh, they need to make few steps back as well and to understand what they actually doing and how, how they are putting themselves into much risk um as i said you know the segment even says that who are who are actually the real victim now we need to make understand mm. who are the actual victim we have t- two parties yes yeah? one is the influencer the other party is the followers i told you few incidents of uh, influencers who were the big victims but of course sharif there are also victims from the other parties as well and um i don't uh, because the other party the followers are more so i think there are more victims by them as well but you know we we discuss this how we we can help how we they each other can help to maintain uh, to pr- bring uh, f- to help the community right to pr- to tell on the two teachings of islam to put religious f- uh, uh, um desire over religious desire but one thing you know what i've seen is shrif and this is something you know and you need to uh, explain to me if you can that each other of them is trying to please each other right the influencers mm-hmm. are trying to please the followers the followers are trying to <laughs> please the influencers but what is islamic teaching about pleasing who should we please basically i mean is there someone we should please well it's very clear um in islam it's um it's allah it's god mm-hmm. so um one one of the things of the promised messiah alayhi salam um is peace and blessing of allah be upon him is that a servant of god is one who maintains a moderate relationship with all else other than god 
Islam, Islam doesn't forbid one from loving other things, but holding expectations and holding expectations, but within limits. I realize that we can have worldly affairs, we can have worldly things, but not at the expense of pleasing God. And this is what the true teaching of Islam is, that everything, if done for the pleasure of God, reaps blessings and reaps um, good things. So one example is if we if we say that we're going to do something, whether it's let's say let's say um, Shahil, an example is if I say I'm going to help you do X, Y, and Z today, but I'm doing it to show off, to show that you know I can do that, or you're weak and you can't do that, so I'm helping you. Then that becomes a sign of arrogance or a sign of um, it becomes a a something bad for me. Whereas if it's done to please Allah, so I'm only doing it because in at, at the end of the day to help another brother is to please Allah. Mm. Then that in itself becomes a source of blessing. So if we think in that terms that anything we do we do to please Allah. It brings in itself harmony, peace. So we're not doing it to show off. We're not doing it to please anyone else other than our Creator, other than the one that has put us on this earth to to serve and please Him. So basically, Sharif, what you just have said is <clears throat> sorry for that. What you just have said is basically the purpose of our life, right? This is the reason exactly. why we were created to please Allah or to have a healthy or living relationship with God. Um, but you know this is one thing um what i don't see nowadays is, is this thing that we don't have this a lot of people have, don't have this relationship with god anymore or what i see is that people are getting away from god uh and even there are how many I mean, there are a lot of people who are not believing in god anymore and um i think for them social media has, uh, has become one uh, social media is one of them where people think that this is enough for me I don't need much anymore uh, and uh, nowadays you know as, as it is very easy to make money you know um, mm -hmm. they call them some stars uh, I don't know they, this is what they call themselves or they call them influencers it's up to them um, where they want to you know um, bring forward their ideas and uh, the only thing is um, behind that you need to understand what they actually want to do is it's only to gain money or to gain f to become famous you know uh, uh, I, I don't have any social media but before that I remember uh, on Instagram people had shared so many different content right people would share pictures or, or paintings you know or of sightseeing and uh, or sometimes you know um, there would be like um, posts about very knowledgeable post which you would love to mm. read where you think oh, okay this is very inter interesting and this is something that can help me but then then you know suddenly there were people you know who would promote uh, the one of the productions you know one of the things like for example and this is not very funny uh, there was one one guy you know who would make videos about how he would play different games all right mm -hmm. and uh, then suddenly uh, he was for another game he made a uh, uh, he made a book, a guidebook, how to uh, complete the game. And now uh, one of them uh, said in the comments, "So why are you not playing the game and show us how to complete the game?" And then he said, "Oh, so because you 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 need to make more money, so that's why you made the guide guidebook." 
So you can see that uh, it is sometimes also just about uh, money or uh, just about you know how uh, to get more uh, of that. But we have another, we have few other people. You know, this, that's the thing. Um, I don't want to be mean, but um, our you know our new generation. I don't want them to follow these people or to take them mm. as role models. We have other people as role models. We have other people to follow. Islam is a religion has pr- produced so many, let's say, influencers. Not right, wrong to say, but we, but we had influencers before that as well. But they they had a different style to influence people. Mm. They they led by example. They preached what they um they did what they preached rather. So they walked the walk and talked the talk. So that's what we don't see nowadays. So a lot of the time, and one of my biggest issue with social media is that um, you can you get divorced with reality, and you don't get to understand what's true and what's not. Whereas in the past, you were able to make that distinction. I remember, um, you know, like ten, fifteen years ago, sitting down with my brothers and um, watching the news or watching um, BBC Question Time stuff like that. You, you had a sense of um, understanding of what's going on in the world. Nowadays, it's all on social media. And um, they, the sensation headlines on the, on the social media is what uh, catches our attention. And we, we fail to do our due diligence to go and check whether that's true or not. So we're seeing a lot of videos about whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to become famous, whether you become rich, whether you want to become a pilot or whatever you want to become. And those videos are there to, on the guise of helping us, but nobody's actually fact-checking them to make sure that these are actually right things to do and whether it actually causes us harm more than it benefits us. So we're seeing a lot of health craze, for example, whether it's an, a diet or or something else that we should eat for a quick win and whether that has a a benefit to ourselves or not. But nobody's actually doing that sense checking because there is so much content being thrown at us that we don't know what to do with it. You know, and, uh, go yes. on. Oh, sorry, go on. Um, as I said, we, uh, uh, this is like uh, the, uh, the, the new world we're living in, right? Uh, and uh, everyone is looking after someone who he can follow. Um, you know, for me, I mean, you know the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. If you just, mm. just focus on his life. He was a big influencer. And somehow his life, the way of he lived, that life also still influences a lot of people in this day and age. Um mm. He, he wasn't someone, you know, he lived a very normal life, right? He he never went to thieve the world, never went to mm. conquer the world, but somehow he did. You know, this is what yeah. I said, like, he put the religious desires over the worldly desires, so the world became his slave, and the world will follow him. Uh, and this is the biggest example we have, and if you follow this example... As I said, his life is still influencing so many people. Uh, one thing he he always told is that, as he said, we need to please Allah. This is why he has. This is why he was sent. This is why God has sent him. This is why he what he did as well. Uh, the religion of Islam is telling us yes to please Allah, to do everything you do to do it for Allah. Even when you're breathing, mm. do it for Allah. Yeah, be be grateful for that. And um, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. You know, so many people can 
say that and they will agree with me that he was an amazing person. He was, a, he's a, I mean, he's a legend. Whatever he has done, and so many people got influenced. And why, what he did is simply a lie, a, a country of warlords, a country of people who didn't act like people, but they would rather act as animals. He turned them into gentlemen. You know, who would respect their wives as well, who would respect every woman as well, who would live a very good life. La- last week, uh, um, last week we had a we had a we had a show about the golden age of Islam. Mm. You know, these people they got influenced by the Holy Quran and by the life of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. You know, he told them that you know you know, you, you need to get education, you need to get knowledge, you etc. And this is what they did. And you know, he himself was so knowledgeable. He never went to school. But he needed so mm. so many things. He like uh, told his companions when you when you drink, don't drink uh, while standing, but sit down, because then uh, it will benefit your whole body. Uh, uh, and even you know about the toothbrush or about uh, uh, taking a shower once once a week or mm. brush your hair. Everything he did, this was something new for these people, you know. And exactly. the people it got influenced by that, and they would follow that, and the. This how is how he built his society, and this is what we need nowadays. This is what we need. We don't need anyone who is doing it for his uh, money or is trying to buy a sell his production or to get famous. We need someone by whom we know. Yes, when we follow them or him, we we will we it will help us as well. It will help the society. We have now the only influence that we have right now in this day and age is His Holiness, May Allah be Uh Previously. Um, the guest has mentioned about him how he has traveled throughout the world and how he has described or presented Islamic teaching mm-hmm. only to maintain peace. And now he's known as a, a church piece of, uh, sorry, champion of peace. Now we have influencers and we can follow them. And with their guidance, we can become successful in this world as well. As I said, we are part of this world. We cannot cut off from this world. And yes, we maybe sometimes we need social media as well. Um, but the good example we have is uh, the Holiness uh, hol- uh, nowadays, who can who's t- telling us what you do to become a good influencers for the youngsters as well. Exactly, and I just would like to add to that um, that if, in my view, the biggest influencer that we have or we have had is His Holiness, um, the Holy Founder of Islam, uh, um, the Holy Prophet. And um, there is a really good book, The Life of Muhammad, that our listeners can go on to alislam.org and you can download and read at your leisure because his life is an open book. How he treated his wife, how he treated his children, how he treated his enemies, how he treated people that were harsh to him, all of that is within that book and it becomes a true reference point in terms of how we as a society should lead our life it teaches us from how to be a husband how to be a brother how to be a um, a father all of that in one book in the best example of them all and and Allah even in the Quran says that um, referring to the Holy Prophet peace and blessing of Allah be upon him that we have sent thee not but as a mercy for all people. So I think that, you know, this is the best example that we have in our time that we can go and read about and see how he led his life and how we should lead our life too. Exactly. I mean, 
that's the best life you have. And, uh, uh, you know, um, someone, you know, came to see Aisha, his wife, and he asked about the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and what to do, how to become him, like him. And she said, you know, his life is according to the teachings of the Quran. His, um, you know, his character is according to the teachings of Quran. And uh, now, if you look in the Holy Quran, what we see is that Quran tells us, for example, be be nice, be messy to towards everyone, even towards your enemy. And this is what we need. This is what we don't see in this day and age. Um, Islam says, tell us to to, to make sure that your neighbor uh, is in good health or that other people in the new surroundings are in good health. But this is what we need, you know. And this is what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions have showed us as well. The listeners, um, we're coming now to the end of the show. Um, if you want to listen to this show again, you can do so on SoundCloud. Um, or if you want to learn more about Islam, then the best thing you can do is stay tuned with the uh, Voice of Islam Radio. And uh, if you want to listen more on another episode of, um, or if you want to l- uh, listen to Sharif Bunu's voice again, he is tomorrow. <laughs> he is tomorrow again here in the breakfast show with uh, Wali Demet. He will present the next episode as well. So it's gonna be very interesting again, dear listeners. So. As I said, if you want to listen to his voice again, do to do me a favor. Then, uh, do you turn on tomorrow again uh, to another ex- episode of Breakfast Show? Until then, um, I wish you all the best. Uh, I'm very grateful for you, Sharif, uh, that you have joined. I'm very grateful to our guest, Dr. Mohammed Iqbal, for his interesting thought, and of course to our listeners uh, who uh, have listened to our show, and uh, to our producer Fatma, and to our researchers Kanta and Zoya. So, dear listeners. As I said, if you want to learn more about Islam and the true, true teaching of Islam, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio.